Part One, Chapter Five of Garcia Moreno by Augustine Berth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. El Zuriago, eighteen forty-six to eighteen forty-seven. The joy of the people of Ecuador when the happy result of the revolution of the sixth of March became known may be easily imagined, but they were not yet out of their troubles. The convention had first to decide between two candidates for the vacant presidentship, one the poet Almedo and the other a merchant named Rocca. The latter was a cunning and vindictive man of an unscrupulous character and with mulatto blood. The Patriotic League unanimously chose Olmedo, a statesman of incorruptible character and the great national poet. But Rocca, who knew the nature of the deputies best, was confident of success, and by dint of bribes and promises of office he obtained the requisite majority of votes. A cry of indignation arose throughout the country at this election, but no one felt it more bitterly than Garcia Moreno. He was warned not to incur the enmity of the new government, but he could not resist the temptation to expose the corruption and rascality of the ministers, and so started a humorous paper called El Zuriago, the Whip, of which the first number appeared in the month of April, 1846. After having been devoured in the capital, this little sheet was sent to every province in the country, and all were enchanted with its original and powerful satires, and delighted to find any one saying out loud what every one was whispering under their breath. We will give a specimen of his style. It was the eve of the great day when the problem was to be solved. Shall Ecuador at last have a just and good government, or will it remain a hotbed of intrigues and corruption? The convention resembled a Theban sphinx, with the voice of a man, the head of a woman, the claws of a lion, the wings of a vulture, and the tail of an ass. Still, the alarm was great in the camp of the place-hunters. Exasperated at the idea of defeat, they could not find curses enough for patriots, who neither menaces nor promises could bend. At last they determined to go to a certain personage, who could give them some sort of insight into their prospects, and where they all met as if by appointment. B. arrived first. His face was pale, his lips white, his eyes inflamed, but before his host he was metamorphosed in a moment. Gravely seated in an armchair, wrapped in an ample purple dressing-gown, with spectacles on his nose, this great personage had the look of Marius, the heart of Celia, and bowels of mercy as tender as a rock. Footnote. A play of words on the name of the president. And footnote. Have you spoken to C? he asked, addressing the newcomer. I have done all I could to win him over, replied the poor devil, but he resists all my efforts. He says he would rather remain a poor curate all his life than stain his name with what he calls an infamy. So much the worse for him. He will live to repent of it, oracorically replied the great man. At that moment, with a contrite and cringing manner, entered the Reverend A. Footnote. The lay rector of the university, affecting airs of sanctity. End footnote. A living image of the hermit cat. Blessed be God and his merciful mother, X has sworn to vote for you, provided certain places be secured to different members of his family. He will work zealously, so that your excellency may be elected to-morrow president of the republic. Deo gratias, exclaimed on the threshold of the door a greasy, ragged cleric. This was the famous V. I have laboured only to fail. What is to be done with idiots, who covet neither prefectures nor places in the ministry, nor prebendal stalls? Ite misa est. I told them we can do very well without you, gentlemen. Will you believe it? They laughed in my face. It seems to me we can reckon on twenty-seven votes, 
gravely replied the sly old fox, where shall we find the twenty-eighth? Brother A, his eyes cast down, humbly answered, My lord, Providence, who watches over even the worms of the earth, will know how to remove one or other of our enemies to a better life, or will inspire them with the holy thought of accepting some little sinecure to help them to live more comfortably without offending God or their neighbor. R. interrupted the last speaker, while stifling a laugh, with the words, Nothing is easier than to gain a vote if one only knows how to set about it. When a general wants to take a fortress, he begins by finding out the weak point in the walls. Do the same in this electoral campaign. Discover the weak side of your adversary, and you will win. If he leans to the other party, give him a stick to lean on, of gold. Give him a pen to sign, likewise tipped with gold, and you will see his honor will go very cheaply. A murmur of applause greeted this prophetic speech, while the thick lips of the would-be president curled in a soft smile. To encourage his creatures, he placed before them the number of comfortable places which would be assigned to each should success crown their efforts. So far from blushing at this ignoble traffic, a good many asked to pick and choose what would suit them best, as at a buffet you would select the dish you preferred, and then, full of joy, they flew to the fight, their eyes fixed on the enchanting future opened out before them, and with the prospect of enjoying rich stipends and no work. It is thus that our country has been insolently mocked, while in their degrading and crapulous sloth, these miserable men encourage one another daily in fresh jobberies and crimes. We can easily imagine the rage of the government at being thus shown up week by week to the ridicule and indignation of the public. Garcia Moreno had determined to scourge those vampires who sucked the blood of his countrymen while pretending to look after their interests, and whose only delight was to gamble on the stock exchange and to use their ministerial knowledge to fill their coffers and drain the unhappy merchants and peasant proprietors whose bankruptcy had become universal. No, he added ironically. Ecuador is not stationary, as people imagine. On the contrary, it is marching towards entire demoralization. Generations to come will have no villainy to commit. Such are the fruits of the tree of liberty, not true liberty, but that of which these wretches prostitute the name to satisfy their own cupidity. The government at last took the offensive, and threatened a public prosecution of the editor. This only roused Garcia Moreno to more violent language. You call this newspaper mean, immoral, revolutionary. Mean, the criminal is mean who is condemned to the lash, not he who wields the whip with which to punish the wrongdoer. Immoral, a writer is not more immoral because he reveals immorality than the judge is immoral because he chastises vice. Revolutionary, the revolutionists are yourself. It is you who encourage crime and disorder, you who are traitors to your country, deputies without conscience and without shame, groveling like reptiles to obtain places. How long is it since the poor clerks and workingmen have received their wages? They have waited in silence, deceived by your promises, while you are speculating with their bread, and quietly pocketing all the revenues of the Republic. It is all very fine of you to abuse Flores. In brigandage and rapacity, the disciples have long surpassed their master. But the gravest complaint against us is that El Zirago is anonymous. You ask the name of the editors. I will gladly give them up to your vengeance. They are the twenty-eight men who executed that farce of the presidential election, when we had to admire the metamorphosis of the phoenix turned into a crow. For what does this paper contain? The revelation of the criminal acts of these twenty-eight men, and the expression of the public contempt which is attached to their name. Who, then, are the editors? Those who committed the crime, 
or those who have exposed it you are without doubt the only responsible persons and it is you whom the police should prosecute as to ourselves you ought to thank us for having published your history without exacting any salary this vigorous denunciation brought the new president Raka into universal contempt he was detested for his hard and haughty character and after this polemic every one fought shy of him the nobility would have nothing to say to the mulatto the partisans of flores hated the man who had supplanted their master the true patriots loathed one who had sacrificed their country to his greed for gold the discontent hourly increased when a sudden reapparition of flores gave garcia moreno an opportunity to undertake a fresh political campaign End of part one chapter five